1: low down and filthy but the discipline is on point. school myself made my own dojo a cold flow with the whole dose of soul maintain composure even in fury, and anomaly properties under
0: this week on the Peter planner show we take a look at all the market volatility that has occurred in the last several market sessions uh, oddly enough it's not even the biggest news in our country right now because what does it even mean anymore at the 24-hour news cycle uh, so to talk about the market volatility, I thought of one person and I emailed him late last night. I was like, hey, I, I need you on the show. And he said, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. And I said, I don't have that. Um, come on the show. And he said, okay, I have nothing to do. I'll, I'll be on the show. His name is Tadas Visconti and he joins us now. He's the author of Abnormal Returns, which is a very popular blog on the internet uh, in the investment sphere. Hello, Tadas. Uh, good to be here again. It hasn't been that long. I know. We did our uh, end of the year market wrap up with you. I, I feel like I'm going to have trouble talking today. You know what I mean? Like it's the a, words aren't coming out. Yeah. It's one of those days. So, Tadis, uh, the market is sort of wigging out right now, but it, it, it feels different. It doesn't, feel like, it doesn't feel like a panicky, crashy sort of thing. It's, it's, what's going on?
2: well, i I think one of the reasons why it feels different is that last year was really unusual. Last year was unusual because it was decidedly it was like a magic year. The stock market went up and up with very, very little volatility and very few drawdowns. So it really didn't really didn't move a lot whole very much, and we didn't have any periods where it went down. And so really, I would say this year isn't the unusual year. Last year was the unusual one. And that's why this probably feels a little bit more um, anxious than it might.
0: Yeah, I I had this feeling last year, really, there were no drawdowns. There was maybe a day or two, but it was just based on like a a quarterly report here or there, Um, which is highly unusual in the last 10 or 15 years, I think, about... There's almost a day a year where there's just a quite a bit or a week where there's just quite a bit mm-hmm. of volatility and there just wasn't in 2017.
2: No, it was really it was really quite placid and so um, it was like you know uh, nice fl- nice uh, nice flat uh, uh, in terms of volatility. So I think that's what's really, Uh, I think that's really what's kind of playing out here. And so, at least in terms of the way it feels, I mean, I think every market, I mean, I think what's going on today is, you know, every market is unique in that sense. Today's set of circumstances, um, market and economy is different than last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So uh, in that respect, everything's a little bit different. But I think we are kind of getting, I, I think today we are kind of getting back to a more normal sort of. Uh, market environment.
0: How much of 2017, and, and I guess late 2016 for that matter, isn't necessarily the Trump effect, uh, you know, Trump is a, a personality, uh, but Trump is a deregulator. How much of, of, of the boom do you think had to do with, hey man, it's about to be a free-for-all, let's get it?
2: I think there 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 is certainly an aspect to that. I think there is certainly an aspect to uh, deregulation, and I think probably the thing we need to talk about in regards to uh, what's happening the last month or two, it maybe has to do more with, I think people are looking at um, the results or the uh, what we're seeing with the tax bill. And I think that's probably got as big a big an effect as anything.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that because the tax bill's done a, a few different things. And I, I was uh, getting ready this morning, I, this a thought occurred to me, okay, so we've got all this market volatility, clearly executives at large corporations their net worth is affected mm-hmm. by what's going on. You We saw last week, was it like the top 10 billionaires lost something like $40 billion, something just ridiculous. Um, and I, I know you and I are both tearing up for them.
2: I, I think we're on the honorable mention list.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've lost literally tens of dollars this week. Um, do you think with all the, hey, $1,000 bonus here, everyone's getting raised, all this growth happening, do you think there'll be second thoughts based on... What's happening to stock prices right now, and uh, how that affects the personal wealth of the leaders of these organizations that are announcing all this growth? I
2: don't. I don't think there's necessarily going to be second thoughts. I think what you're seeing. I think the measures that you see that have been publicly announced are quite limited, frankly. Um, and so I don't think that that. Uh, I don't think that those are. To me, I view those more as PR. Than actual having real economic impacts, and so in that regard, whatever happens with the economy over the next year or two, I don't think these CEOs are going to have second second thoughts in that regard. Um, can I can I make a clarification
0: so that I don't get email? Sure. <laughs> okay. Of course. Uh, I'm always trying to limit my email. Uh, so when you said there's there's not an economic impact, what you mean is not a, not a macroeconomic impact as opposed to, sure, there'll be a financial impact on the lives of the people who receive the bonus.
2: Yes, of course, anybody, okay. yeah, of course, Thank uh, you, you know, um, uh, additional, additional money in the bank is always good. And I think, what, uh, I think mo- what most people would like to see is not necessarily, and I think this'll touch on a bigger topic, is wage growth. And I think uh, a, bon- a one-time bonus is different than an ongoing uh, increase in your pay. pay. So uh, kind of two different things. Let's talk about that,
0: sure. right? And let's let's have an actual uncomfortable conversation. I'll be the uncomfortable part. Like mm-hmm. every year at the, at the end of our, our sort of our fiscal year, I get to evaluate, you know, how do, how do our business do this mm-hmm. year? And by our, I mean, me and my people, you're, you're not part of it because you wouldn't want to be taught us. Uh, but I had to evaluate. I'm like, okay, are we doing bonuses? How will this affect wage increases? Mm-hmm. And And is the growth of our company to the point where... I can do more wage increase instead of bonus, because bonus is like, enjoy it now. Mm-hmm. Wage increase is, we're gonna keep riding this thing. And you know, I'll be honest, um, I've always leaned towards bigger, much bigger than a $1,000 bonuses, uh, as, as opposed to huge wage growth, because there's a lot more risk in that as a, as a business, sure. and as a small business specifically. I, I think bigger businesses are viewing it the same way, mm-hmm. and, and have been for the last two or three decades with stagnant wage growth. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, I think everybody there, you know, it's, um, it's one thing to give um, a bonus. It's another thing to, uh, I think the, the issue of regret comes into play. If you give people um, an increase in their wages and let's say either, you know, the next year things aren't as good, um, that's either going to hit the profit, hit your profit margins or, uh, you know, it gets even more uncomfortable when you have a situation where you might have to right size your, right size your workforce. And I think that's I think that's one thing that corporate America really over the last 10 years has kind of come to. And I think, um, let me just, I'll move it to a little bit of a financial angle in that regard. I think you've seen companies really use um, stock buybacks. Um, increasingly, um, uh, almost kind of on a secular basis, because of that flexibility, you can do a stock buyback kind of whenever you want and whenever you have that cash and whenever it's kind of convenient. As opposed to, hey, let's let's uh, let's do a dividend, let's increase the dividend. It's very it's very challenging to if you decrease the dividend. That's a very that's a very uh, bad sign to the market. And so I think I think CEOs have become very. Uh, conscious of that, and have leaned more on um, buybacks as opposed to dividends.
0: For those not in the know, let, let's let's define buyback versus uh, d- the dividend situation. So, a stock buyback is where uh, a company goes back into the marketplace and then and brings basically equity back within the business by,
2: by paying out some shareholders, right? Correct. They're essentially buying back shares. They're taking cash on the uh, taking cash out of the bank and buying shares um, from their shareholders and that in, is, in the open
0: market, in though. the open market, yeah. correct. Which is important.
2: Yes. Uh, because then that drives up share prices because there's more buyers, correct. hypothetically. And reduces the number of shares that are outstanding, which makes, uh, which makes things like, um, things like earnings per share look better.
0: And that is as opposed at, opposed to, I can't talk, I told you it was mm-hmm. going to be one of those days, Nicole, be ready all day. It's going to be like this. Um, to just issuing a, a higher dividend because later if, if things aren't as good to
2: lower a dividend will crush a, a share price typically that is that is typically viewed as a uh, as a that's uh, a last resort you know here's something i want to talk about
0: and it, it, I, I like having you on because we can say some of the more technical stuff right why i know a student has to have asked you this so by the way you're an adjunct professor at butler university I am. and 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 why do why does a company care what its share price is? like I, I think I want people I want I want people to be able to understand why that matters because it always you hear people oh our share price is this or that. It can't just be because they have shares in their employer. There's a deeper reason why companies want their share price higher versus lower. It,
2: well, I think I think the number one reason is um, we have we have in the United States moved more towards equity compensation, and that's essentially saying that um, you know this the c-suite, the CEOs and and down are compensated less on cash and more on the equity that they hold or the options that they hold on those shares. And so that is a big part of their compensation. so, Higher share price, more uh, higher net worth, higher compensation. So, to think of it in crass terms, that's kind of the that's kind of the the number one sort of aspect. But two, I think you know a higher share price, at least from a strategic pers- perspective, gives you more options, gives you more opportunities, whether that's um, a merger, an acquisition, um, to do other sorts of projects. And I think. Um, it's also kind of, the, and I think the third aspect is it's kind of a scorecard. Yeah. You know, you look, you know, you look at your, you look at your share price online. Nobody looks at it in the newspaper anymore. at <laughs> uh, hey, I'm right. a I'm a I work for a newspaper. <laughs> Don't do that. And you know, you look at it online. You say, you know, um, you know, it's kind of your scorecard. And I think that's, I think that's maybe the third aspect uh you know you look at amazon it's like what around 1400 bucks a share thirteen
0: seventy something lost a ton of we're recording this and we always got to give context we're recording this on friday morning before the market opens so the uh the 9th of february um amazon you know as it continues to sort of just dominate every other industry and and it decides it wants to go into industry and then and then the share price goes up 50 points it it is intimidating at 1400 dollars a share Right? It just, it's got to make its competitors who it just constantly dominates. I don't want to say scared, but kind of scared,
2: right? No, I think there, I mean, people have dubbed it the Amazon effect. I think Amazon can, with its uh, share price and its, so it's kind of financial might, but also it's kind of technological and strategic sort of. Uh, position, they can really wreak havoc in whatever sort of industry they choose to. So, and and you know, over the last couple of weeks, we heard that they are interested in um, messing about in healthcare. And so, and, you know, it's not it's not a um, it's not a coincidence that on the day that that announcement was made, that the share prices of all the hair of the the big healthcare insurers fell. And there's, another, and there's another story even
0: this morning about what they're getting into, which we're going to come back and hit after the break. I, I've, I, I think we've gone way too long. This is what happens. I get, I get excited. Toddus Viscanta from Abnormal Returns, uh, Butler University business professor, uh, joins us. Uh, so more of him and a, a little bit of me uh, after the break right here on the Pete the Planner Show.
1: Stop what you're doing. On. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. question the right of any man the voice his opinion as strong as any can but then again many men are citizens of their own little world so they ain't really fitting in i'm in the background blending in camouflaged by the scenery but i'm a champion Revenue.
0: back on uh, the pete the planner show i keep wanting to call it the million dollar plan it doesn't matter what the show's called i'm pete there's actually a if you're listening to this on the radio there's a stinger before i start talking anyway you know what Tods Visconta joins us back on the show. Tods, l- low point of your career being on the show right?
2: No this is actually this is the highlight of my week. Wow, bad week, huh? <laughs> uh, not as bad as the Colts week. Um, like... Yeah, that's that's a rough one. Yeah we could talk, yeah this you know this isn't um, this isn't sports talk, but I'm sure we could we could get into that if we wanted to. All right I got 10 seconds on it. Here's what I got. I think. Uh, clearly the
0: ethical uh, and moral sort of failing fall, lies in the, the Josh McDaniel camp. However, the poor business uh, decision and, and actions
2: lie in the Colts camp. I think that's absolutely true, and I think the other third effect is kind of the, the weird NFL rules about hiring coaches that are in the playoffs and kind of everything's going on a wink and a yeah. nod until it actually happens. And so I think that's the third sort of structural thing that's going on there. Well, I won't be asked uh, to be in
0: the Colt suite anytime soon with those comments, so I'm gonna have to move on. All right, so uh, we were talking during the break, sort of what's going on with Amazon right now, which is, is it seems, in the last couple years is always the biggest story in in the stock market. Uh, this morning it was announced that they're gonna start doing private uh, business deliveries. So, uh, you know, pick something up from here, or take it to somewhere else in town. They're gonna start testing this in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And uh, at the news of this, FedEx and UPS stock prices, you know, dare I say, plummeted a little bit. Uh, they are sort of the, the, the big kid on the block, and they just do whatever they want
2: at this point. They have, they, they, Bezos, I think Bezos' genius might have been, or is, or may have been, um, kind of doesn't care. It just kind you know, of um, is really has a vision for what the business is, and is willing to try things. And you know, this thing we're discussing this morning might work, it might not. But um, I think they have uh, I think they have built such a powerful engine that they really have the ability to try different things. And um, you know, Whole Foods is a you know is kind of an interesting example of that in terms of getting into the kind of the retail food business and seeing how they're playing. Uh, how they're using that as kind of an engine for other parts of the business, and I know that you know Prime members can go into Whole Foods and get certain kind of deals, and I think you know you can kind of see that you can kind of see the synergy when you kind of build a build a big engine like that.
0: Now I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out, but not for stock price with them. <gasps> Thank you. Um, I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, but what's their stock price? Go- no. Hmm. Um, what happens from here? Do they do they end up being with this company that, that's going to split? I mean, I feel like splits are sort of out of fashion these days because people want high stock prices. Right. Um, are, are they are they going to bump into a regulatory issue where you know sort of the Ma Bell, where ah, they're too big, we got to break them up? Like I could
2: see that coming ten years down the road. What do you think is going to happen? I think that's that's kind of the existential threat is if there's some sort of regulatory assault on the business. The challenge I mean, the challenge I think is that how do you tease it all apart? I mean you've built like you said, we've kind of you've kind of built this this huge engine and really taking out a piston or taking out some of the spark plugs really doesn't it's not something that's um for a lack of a better term, break upable. Yeah. Um I think you know, AWS, which is Amazon Web Services, I think that's the one kind of logical thing where you said, okay, that could be a separate company in and of itself, and that really wouldn't have a, a, a big effect on the rest of the business, but um, you know, I'm sure they probably thought of that already, and um, I don't know that that would really have a big effect on what we're, act- what we're talking about in terms of the strategic sort of um, potential to wreak havoc on other industries. Weird question alert. Do your your
0: students care about this stuff? Like, I'm interested in it, but do you, and and I know they're studying it, but as a former college student, that doesn't mean you care. It just means you're studying it. Mm. Do they understand, like, what's going on and, like, how interesting times are right now in the markets, or are they just there? I mean, you know. I think they're pretty. They're pretty
2: heads down. I think they're yeah. focused on. I think they're focused on their studies. They're focused on um, their internships. They're focused on potential careers down the road. Um, I think kind of the. Um, I think kind of the intricacies of strategy is probably that's kind of to me that's kind of second second order sort of yeah. sort of thinking. And I think um, probably not. Do you advise the? I'm sure there's an investment club there at Butler, right? You know they have the student-managed investment fund, which yeah. is um, both the undergraduate, the MBAs have an opportunity to um, do some stock selections for um, for that fund. So Are
0: you involved with that?
2: Uh, I used to be. Uh, yeah. I used to be. I used to be an unpaid advisor to some of those groups. Sure. So, okay. Let's go back to the market in general. Uh, so, can it be said that what's actually
0: happening right now is good, and not in sort of a Trite way, but it, it's really that the, the economy growing. Inflation is a concern. Interest rates are going to be going up. Uh, the Fed's going to be raising the rates. Um, it's a good. It, I mean, this is a good correction. It's almost on. It's on the verge of being a correction, but it, it seems like it's a good correction. It's just not fun to hear that when you're 62 years old and you're retiring in a year. You know. Yeah.
2: No corrections. Corrections are never fun. I mean, I think that's one of the. I think that's one of the things that is. Um, one of the things I think is a challenge for anybody who's managing either their own money or managing somebody else's money. I think it's, you know, we're, we're very easily taken in by our risk profile, you know, the risk profiles that we fill out online or looking at a squiggly line on a chart that shows you uh, what the stock market has done historically. And those are just, those are kind of theoretical things. Mm-hmm. And it's really when you experience it in real time with the uncertainty that, you know that comes along with that where you really kind of where the rubber kind of meets the road and you start really getting a better feel for your own risk tolerance and for what your portfolio how your portfolio is structured and I think that's you know that's where I'm if you if there's anything good that comes out of this it's um, uh, kind of making those making, making those theoretical things more of a reality. I, I think in some ways it's
0: like people who claim to like spicy food, but then they have really spicy food and they're like, oh, this is too spicy. It's like, well, dude, it's spicy. I mean, so you said you liked it. There are those idiots that like the really... Oh, I'm sorry. Those are those <laughs> people who really, really like spicy food that like pour the, the death on their tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of times people think they've got a high risk tolerance. But, Tadis, what they like is the idea of good returns. Abnormally high return, mm-hmm. See what I did there. Yep. Um But they don't. They they don't have a high risk tolerance. They they actually lack a fundamental understanding of how the market works. And that is not a cut on the individual investor. It is an observation of having done this for twenty years. People don't understand their risk tolerance.
2: No, absolutely. And I think, like I said, this is this is a this is a learning opportunity. If nothing else, it's a learning opportunity. Um, in, in some cases, it may be very well the case that you're taking on too much risk. Uh, one of my one of my uh, blogger friends earlier this week said, um, "If on Monday you weren't nervous, you're not taking enough risk." And so, you yeah. um, know, <laughs> so so that that may be the exception. To, that may be the exception to the rule. Um, but like I said, I think this is you know this is kind of an opportunity. It's a little bit of a gut check. Yeah, it's. Um
0: I was interested this week because, and then last week too, because I feel like any more when we have big drops like this, you have to question uh, how computer trading really picks up the speed of of a a downtick. Hmm. Um, How much do you think that plays into it? Not not in a. Something's wrong, but sort of just the realities of, of limit orders and all those sorts of things.
2: You know, I think that certainly, I think that certainly plays a role. I think the one thing that I think is really interesting is that I think the diversity of kind of, for lack of a better term, computerized strategies is probably more, is probably bigger than we give it credit for. I don't think there's one, there's no one single computer strategy that's out there. Um, which I think, I think there's a lot of computers trading against each other. And I think to say that the, a drop or a rise is due to um, you know, technological factors, I think is probably a little bit short sighted. It's interesting because I was just reading a book about, there's a, a book recently about the 1987 stock market mm-hmm. crash. And a lot of, and kind of the narrative there was really, it was kind of technology first kind of kicking in. Um, and we had what, you know, kind of the beginnings of computer, computerized trading. And I think that's a situation where it really was kind of one type of strategy going on that was really sort of driving things. But I think today it's a far more, um, it's a, the ecosystem is far more diverse in that regard.
0: The last time you were on the show, we were talking about the idea that the ideal thing for someone who's maybe Nicole's age, my producer, the best thing that could happen right now is what is currently happening right now, which, and and again, sounds Mm -hmm. condescending, sounds trite, but it's true the loss uh, or the the stock price is coming down is great because then they can buy more quantity at a lower price and so we all agree on that but but what do we say to the 64 year old who needed to squeeze out a few more bips Mm -hmm. before they retired and then this is this is their current reality like you're not a financial advisor, right? Correct. And that's the world I come from, and I'm used
2: to that, mm-hmm. you know, pep
0: talk. But I'm just from your perspective, what, what would you say to that person?
2: Well, I think the one, I think one thing about that is that there, one of the great things is that people have different levers that they can push and push and pull and dials to turn. And so I think if you, if your retirement was solely was was predicated upon the stock market staying where it was. Then I think it's time for a reassess. It's yeah. time to reassess what, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And no, I think no, I think that unfortunately, I mean, I don't. This does, I don't mean this to sound um, harsh, but unfortunately, um, there are things that, for lack of lack of a better term, are called luck. I mean, some <laughs> people you know, if you were retiring in 2008 and 2009 there was really there was really nothing, you know, there was nothing you could do about mm. that. And so we've had 10 years, you know, for we've had a good, we've had a pretty long run of 10 years. And, you know, we still are where, you know, the stock market is back to where it was back in November or December of last year, not all that long ago. So in the big picture, it's not being that big, of, it's not been that big of a correction at this point. Right, and, and, and before we go to the break, the sort of the
0: point I wanted to get to as well is, there's no bubble bursting here. I mean, this is not 2008, where we're talking a couple different bubbles just pop, and, and then chaos for for six months at least, mm-hmm. four months. Let's see, October. Well, I guess who cares? Yeah. Uh, it's in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to focus on the present. Do I sound like uh, like I'm in the baseball baseball steroids Senate investigation now? I'm not here to focus mm-hmm. on the past. I'm here to focus on. Let's move on. All right, Tadas, let's take a break. We're here with Tadas Viscanta from Abnormal Returns, breaking down uh, what was a pretty crazy week in the equity markets. Uh, So we'll do that some more uh, right after the break, right here on the Pete the Planner Show.
1: Yeah. Axe hand on the beat.
2: Yes,
1: sir. Glass house. Yes, sir. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, A T F U Snaptown. Yeah. Yeah, y'all ain't hip yet. Dashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul, but young and age of boss player Not from the Himalayas, but my fan gave
0: me get Back get me on the, me the Pizza Planner Show, the Tatis Visconta twenty eighteen edition. Is that a good name for this the yeah, show? Today? I'll take it. Butler professor, uh blogger private investor it always says that when you read like your bio mm-hmm. private investor mm-hmm. when do you when do you switch to philanthropist ooh that would be cool well, yeah be I think fun. you gotta have a ton of money yeah. you know yeah, you could be a broke philanthropist cause yeah, you just give your time yeah, you just give your yeah, time yeah that's
2: true it wouldn't be as fun
0: that seems like a great band a garage band name the broke philanthropist like just a no maybe maybe an album no one cares okay um Talking during the break because that's when the good stuff happens. Sorry y'all. Uh, we're talking about in- inflation and how there-, there are real concerns based on some of the, the good things happening in our mm-hmm. economy, that inflation's like right on the horizon. And we've not had inflation, any
2: significant inflation in at least what a decade. Oh, I think you're talking I think you're talking multi decades. Yeah. I think you're talking a, a generation. And I think that's one of the funny things. There was, there was an item uh, in, in one of the one of the news organizations a week ago talking about how millennial portfolio managers and traders haven't really experienced a bear market. And I think you could say the same thing for a lot of people who are running fixed income portfolios. They really haven't experienced inflation yeah. of, of, any, of any note. And so uh, if you were to experience that, I think it would be uh, not only a, lear- a learning experience, but it also would be quite a shock to the system. Uh, inflation is one of those
0: tricky things that, that not only affect people on a personal level, and sometimes they don't realize it because the cost of goods mm-hmm. uh, rise, goods and services rise. But then it really infects their their portfolios uh, because of uh, various factors. And that's why the Fed often tries to step in and and, and control inflation um, to, to prevent us to going mm-hmm. from where we were, what, in the late 70s with just—it wasn't hyperinflation, but by God, it was pretty intense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, also during the break, we're talking about this idea of how someone's personal finances, what you do with your investments, is highly personal. I I received an email this week from a woman who was uh, early 30s, 32, 34, not certainly the point of this. And she said, uh, I know nothing about investing. Um, And then she screenshotted her portfolio mix, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just her her allocation. She Mm -hmm. said, what do you think about this? And of course, there's all the disclaimers Mm -hmm. of like, uh, I don't wanna give you specific, I'll make some observations, but I'm not giving you specific advice. Okay, so Tadas, she was in an aggressive growth portfolio. So anytime someone says, I don't know anything about investing, and then you look, and then it's labeled aggressive growth. And by the way, that meant 52% international uh, holdings. Mark. Uh Personal finance is personal, but that also means you have to know your limits so you don't get burned. If you say I don't know what I'm doing, that doesn't mean I'll deal with whatever comes to me. It, it means you, you you have to control yourself.
2: No, I think that's absolutely right. I think you know um, one of the things that I think is a challenge is that um, novice investors are, in a certain respect, um, like you said, maybe maybe this this individual as well, can be kind of swayed by. Um, either something they read or an advisor that says you need to you need to do this and But um, and I think that's not necessarily the case I think that individuals have to do what's right for them and it has to not only be right But it also has to, has to feel right and like I said this is you know when the market goes down 10% uh, In a short period of time that really is kind of a gut check and if you are if, if for whatever reason um, this week has been uh, anxiety producing, I think that is kind of a signal to take a step back and look at what's going on in your portfolio and uh, maybe time to reassess.
0: I have to admit, I, I've cared less about this week's, what are we going to call it? Correction seems a little strong. I mean, whatever it was, I've cared less about this week's situation than I think I ever have of an event of this size. I don't know if it's because now I'm further removed from being mm-hmm. an advisor, which by the way, is that a great thing during these uh, market downturns? Um, you probably don't care either way, right? I mean, it, it didn't, it was just sort of, uh, it was sort of conversation piece at best. It was a reason to have you on the show th- at best, yeah. right?
2: Well, like I said, you know, I think, I think one of the reasons is that um, I think people who have been watching the markets for a long time, and we kind of touched on this maybe in the first segment was, this was coming. It was, it was for for whatever reason, you know, uh, it, last year was so unusual that we knew something like this was coming. And so I think this is kind of the I think this is kind of the okay, we knew that we knew this was coming, um, and now I think going forward is really kind of when it, when it starts to get interesting.
0: It also doesn't uh, it, it it doesn't validate the sky sky is falling group either because there's always that group that are like oh we we are headed for tough times. And they've been saying that for since uh, April of 2009, right? uh, They're still not right um, to our knowledge because fundamentally the market is fine. And um, this was not a bubble. This, this is a byproduct of a, know, perfect storms again, too strong, too cute, but it's a byproduct of some good things happening. Um, and, and I think that's why I care less more than ever mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, about this.
2: Yeah, no, it's hard, it's hard to point to any one thing where you say, wow, this is, really, this is really out of whack. I think the really odd stuff has been happening outside of the stock market. I think the entire cryptocurrency phenomenon has really been, uh, has really been the, the weird aspect to what's happened in the last year or two. And I think the stock market has really been, um, like we said, has been, I, I don't want to use the term rational, but it's kind of been somewhat orderly. The old uh, irrational exuberance mm-hmm. there for you. Uh, you know, I, I'm
0: currently seeking stability within the cryptos markets, right, myself? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, can I give an update on, remember when I bought crypto live on the air? Tadis, you're gonna, you know, this was not a good thing, but I did it. Um, I, all told, I'm down, uh, I'm down 10% from buying crypto on the air I was up a hundred percent at one point, but I'm currently down ten percent. And when did I buy that, Nicole? November? Is that sound about right?
1: You bought that right before
2: Christmas.
0: Oh, okay, right. That's pretty good. Up for up a hundred percent,
2: now down ten. <laughs> That's so stupid. I mean, this is really dumb. Um, yeah, but like you know, I think we talked about it during the uh, year-end wrap-up. It really is kind of. Um, it's kind of like uh, playing the market on steroids. I mean, you really kind of, you get a sense for what markets can do both on the upside and the downside really quickly when it comes to, to Bitcoin or other crypto. I've fallen there. out of love with the volatility of it.
0: Like <laughs> I really have. And by the way, it's really, I don't want to say it's stabilized, but it hasn't been as volatile recently. But I think the worst part about crypto for me is I'm so annoyed by the fanboys of crypto. Mm. Like, there's people on, on social media that they just talk up crypto. So you'll get in crypto So the the price will go up and it's just Mm -hmm. like fundamentally, I have a lot of problems with it. Let's do this. So take a break, final break. Come back. We'll do the biggest waste of money of the week. I'll make Tadas think of one during the break. If he can't think of one, oh, I've always got a waste of money uh, on on hand. So Tadas Visconta, professor at Butler University, as well as uh, author and editor and uh, Svengali at abnormalreturns.com. So we'll be right back. I'm Pete, the planner.
1: stay true to my enemy and water the trees that i sing from and look out for the lumberjacks running with the gale force wind at my back swift and enduring i remain calm swift and enduring i remain calm swift and enduring i remain calm this lays great errors to
0: rest back on the million dollar plan the biggest waste of money of the week i'm going to take this one taught go for it taught us is back with us you can see us at pete the planner get a new angle on the camera. Nicole, I don't know if I'm feeling it. Like, I, I feel like I'm, my java chin is really...
2: Your java chin?
0: Like, I feel like I, I, think... I have no definition of my chin, which I kind of... Maybe I don't.
2: I think you're being silly, but well, I understand.
0: All right. Uh, this week's BOAM, biggest waste of money of the week. The North Face Geodome Tent, Leveraging the strength of the geodesic dome. Geodesic. Jeez. Smart guy. Geodesic Dome. You should be here all the time. The North Face Geodome 410 is a roomy shelter able to handle tough conditions. It sleeps four and has enough room for you to stand inside, yet consists of only five main poles and one equator pole, uh, making it both lightweight and easy to set up. It can also withstand winds of nearly 60 miles per hour, thanks in part to its dual-layer water-resistant exterior, but unfortunately, Tadas, it's exclusive to Japan for now, and it costs... Mm. One thousand six hundred and fifty dollars. Here's why it's the biggest waste of money of the week. If you're in a situation in which there is a even the slightest possibility that there's going to be a sixty mile per hour wind, stay inside. Mm-hmm. I think that's good advice. I mean that. Oh, you know, we're gonna test the the limits of this thing this week. No, you will die. Do they do it in a wind tunnel? I no 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 like they people camping in a wind tunnel. Yeah. I've always wanted to go in. You got such good hair. I bet if you went in a
2: wind tunnel, you would look like 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 a model. Well, I like to I like to lock it down so hopefully it doesn't move too much unlike the president's hair.
0: Uh, did you see that? Yeah, that was interesting. He was getting was on like, uh, Air Force 1. He was going in the back door of Air Force 1 it looked like from that angle. Yeah. I don't know. And
2: they've and, been working on it. They they're swapping out the refrigerators.
0: How much was that was what was that crazy refrigerator yeah, like mil, 28 million dollars yeah, for a refrigerator yeah, or something? Are, those are that's the least of our problems right now. All right. Um, thanks for being on the show. It's if, my pe- pleasure. If people want to uh, enjoy your brilliance, how, what's the best way? Enroll at Butler?
2: Like, what, what do they need to do? Well, that's, that's a little pricey. AbnormalReturns.com is free. Um, oh. And so you can co- go there, sign up for the email. You are get an email from me every day. Oh, my go, gosh. If you want to go on to Twitter, then at AbnormalReturns. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Lemon
0: squeezy is, I believe, what they say. Uh, geodesic? What does that
2: mean? I'm not exactly sure. But you but know I how to say I it? I know how to
0: pronounce it, yeah. Lord.
2: Um, Buckminster Fuller.
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, everybody. That's it for the show. Uh, if you want to be on our show, you can't be on this one unless you're taught us. If you want to be on our podcast, you can. Go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You can always watch the show and see my weird chin situation at PeteThePlanner.tv. Go to AbnormalReturns.com. That's it. Send you good vibes, because good vibes are all that we have in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show.
1: If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money like, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information
2: purposes only. it's not the Swiss financial planning advice. Consult a financial advisor.
1: Release from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me ET Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Salutations, I bring you Love trying, greetings from my far away land. I am the sole controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing, And is that how y'all say it?